You guys, I am so excited about today's interview because it is with a couple, Angie and Isaac Tolpin, who have eight children. And I think it's so awesome to just see their family in person and the way that they're raising their kids. And Elisha and I are excited to bring them onto the show today because they know so much about parenting. They've been through so many different stages that we haven't been through. And Elisha and I are so new to this. So not only do we want to learn from them, but we also just want to share with you guys the wisdom that they have gleaned over the years. So they're going to tell us a little bit about their story today and a lot about balance. We're going to talk about balancing discipline while still focusing on holding your children's hearts and also about balancing friendship while still being an authority figure in your child's life. This podcast is just so full of meat today. So maybe grab a pen or pencil, you guys. It's going to be really good. And we're going to dive right in. Before we do, though, if you wouldn't mind giving us a review or rating, that is so helpful for this podcast. Number one, it helps boost Elisha's and my morale, but it also helps get this show out there in the world, I guess, and in front of more families. And ultimately, we just want to encourage families. So if you could leave us a rating or review, I know it takes your valuable time and it just means so much to us. Hey, I'm Elisha Voberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in big families that were fun, impactful, and relationship-rich. Now that we're a family of our own with two young children and our third on the way, there's nothing that excites us more than seeing what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited as you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go! Welcome back to the Now That We're a Family podcast. Katie and myself are thoroughly excited because today we've got some very special guests. Katie, would you, I'm going to give you the honor of introducing (laughs) our guests. (laughs) I'm super excited because we have Isaac and Angie Tolpin here with us and they have a parenting mentorship program at CourageousParenting.com and they also have a podcast that's phenomenal offering a lot of advice on different parenting topics at, and that's called courageous parenting too. We'll dive into that a little bit more, but I'm just really excited to have them on here and be learning from them because as you guys know, both our kids are so little right now, but Lord willing, we're going to be entrusted with training them up for years and years. So we just want to learn all that we can while we can. Yeah, that's right. And Katie and I actually have the privilege of being in church with Isaac and Angie. Mm -hmm. We've been at the same church for about two years now, which is pretty cool. And so we get to see them on a weekly basis and, uh, and we've seen the fruit of their parenting. And so we know that the words that they're, that they are speaking aren't just words, there's action and there's real fruit in their lives, which is a huge, I think, blessing for Katie and I to be able to witness that, you know, in a firsthand experience. So you guys have heard enough from Katie and I, and I know that you're dying to hear from Isaac and Angie. So Isaac, Angie, would you guys please kind of give us a 
an origin story, you know, of, of source, maybe how you got from not having any children to now having eight children. Yeah. And then yes. also encouraging other parents. Well, first of all, I'm just so happy to be here. I've listened to your podcast and I think it is absolutely terrific. It's a lot of fun. You're a little more fun than we are. Oh, I like that. I don't know so. about that. Yeah. I'm having fun tonight. So, so I, I enjoy it. But, uh, but yeah, our story, honey, you want to kick it off? Well, you know, Isaac and I met about 21 years ago. Wow, that sounds like a long time ago now. <laughs> well, you have to to have an almost yeah, that's right. right. Yes. The, math, the math adds up. I like it. Yeah, and so when we met, I actually didn't want to get married or have kids, believe it or not. I thought oh. God was calling me to celibacy and, and being a missionary, and Isaac swept me off my feet. And a few months after we got married, we were pregnant with our first baby, kind of like you guys. And we, and we were setting out to have two kids. I mean, that was going to be, we were going to be a big family with two uh, uh-huh. kids. That was yeah. the goal. So, but uh, we and ended up with eight, which is an, a whole nother story, but. It is. <laughs> it is. But you know what? After, after having our first baby, I really struggled because I was in college still. I had a year left and I was doing ministry and I thought that was what God was calling me to do. And so I wrestled with it i was gonna be a stay-at-home mom or not and then actually i was rebuked by a mentor in my life and she said angie if you're intentional with your child imagine the exponential impact that that three of you will have wow right and then that's when i was like well why would i only have one and i just (laughs) like but i wasn't thinking eight at the time but but that was kind of like the motivation that made me go i need to be intentional about what i'm doing Mm, and this was just a few months into having kelsey but, but it's been an extraordinary journey, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I love that. I, I think so many people can relate, men or women, of being in that position of having your first child and thinking, man, how am I, how's, I thought the Lord was going to use me in this way, in this way, yeah. or in that way, and now I'm burdened <laughs> by this child. We, it's, yeah, yeah it's I crazy. totally was it can, there. It was convicting. It can feel that way, but mm-hmm. the Bible says children, children are, a are a blessing. So, uh, And they truly are, but... Sometimes in the mundane tasks, in the moments of the day, it doesn't always feel that way. Wow. Especially when society doesn't appreciate motherhood hmm. in the same way. And, mm-hmm. it, and on social media, you see women complaining often hmm. about motherhood. Hmm. Yeah. And, and when you see that regularly and you're not hearing appreciation or Thanksgiving, I mean, let's just be honest. If you go and you work in a workplace, you do something for someone, they're going to say thank you. That's right your 18 month old doesn't really say thank you very much unless you teach him sign language and then you're like giving him a sucker afterwards. They're right. Full <laughs> of needs. That's right. I think that, I think a big thing though, and it's unfortunate is a lot of parents don't get over the hump of when the kids aren't just needy yeah. because there is a season where they become really helpful if you parent them correctly. Hmm. And a lot of people make decisions to stop having kids before they make it over. That, that hump of those kids becoming helpful. You so. do have to train them to be the blessing that God says. I mean, mm. his word gives There's us instruction. There's something for us to do, I guess. He gives <laughs> us instruction. And if we obey his instruction and his manual, then they will be the blessing he says they are. Wow. Like the, that, that promise goes along with us being obedient to his mm. word. If we're disobedient to his instruction, then we may struggle through the teenage years, for example, right? Wow. That is so good. I love that perspective of they are a blessing, but we were also given a mandate to raise them and to Amen. create mm-hmm. that blessing. Yes. And so that's really cool. Yeah. No, I love that perspective. Yeah, I love that too. <laughs> that is good. That's a nugget right there. That is a nugget. Yeah, well, and it actually, so the next the question we are going to ask is, um, because something that I actually really enjoy about your guys' podcast, and I was actually just saying this before, 
we went on the air here, is that I love that you guys combine, combined practicality with big picture theories and concepts mm. and philosophies because i know katie and i you don't have to convince us that parenting is a worthy job or that motherhood or fatherhood is a really prestigious position i believe that because the bible i think says that mm-hmm. but then i want practical tips and how to raise up children that yeah. are a blessing and how to get through these younger years you know of raising up children where it's not it's not hectic at the house and it's not miserable and you're mm-hmm. not banging your head against the wall, you know, yeah. because it's miserable. So a question that I do have is how do you balance discipline and behavioral rules mm-hmm. with still focusing on your children's hearts? Cause mm-hmm. I know that we want our children's hearts submitted to the Lord and then also submitted to us. Oh, totally. And so yeah. how have you guys been able to na- navigate that? Well, I think the first thing is that your perspective, you have to have a perspective of whose kids are these? They're mm. God's kids. And he gave them to us to raise and disciple. And, for him. And, and for him to mm-hmm. equip. For what purpose? To mm. glorify God. And if we get that perspective first right, then in the moment that's difficult when disobedience happens, we're more likely to shift towards cultivating and tending to their heart versus being bothered by the disobedience. Right. But if you don't have that first, boy, don't we all fall into the traps of doing the wrong thing in the moment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we even talked about this in some of our podcasts, just the concept of not taking your child's sin personally, right? Cause if you think about it, if you ever feel or experience those physiological symptoms of getting worked up because your child's worked up, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, we've all been there. Yeah. But why are we doing that? It's because we're taking personal offense to something that they've done. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of times we have to realize that their sin is their sin. It actually isn't an offense to us. Hmm. If they disobey us, yes, they are disobeying and we have to discipline for the disobedience. But what is behind the behavior? What is that a symptom of, right? Hmm. And, and labeling it, what it needs to be labeled, using a biblical vocabulary over and over and over again so that your kids know what they're battling. Because hmm. this is, it, little kids, one of the things hmm. Isaac and I have just recognized is that we don't really talk to our little kids like they're little kids. We talk to them like we do our each other. Maybe it was good actually. we didn't have a lot of experience with kids until we had our own. Yeah, because we kind of talk us. to them like know. adults. <laughs> no, but it's all seriousness in, in that sense that they are mini I think. I think mm-hmm. the point is, you know? is that sometimes as parents, we can forget they're human. Hmm. And that might sound strange. Of course, I know they're human. But mm-hmm. do we actually treat them? like human beings to like treat the them dignity. with dignity and respect mm-hmm. and help them rise up to the responsibility you give them or the respect mm-hmm. you want them to have mm-hmm. by giving it first. And I think, you know, the number, scriptures we should be teaching our kids are like, you know, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And if we're teaching that scripture or scriptures like that to our kids, then we have a focus that's right, that we're trying to make sure they understand that obeying your parents is far greater purpose than just because I want your respect or I want your obedience. It's because God is asking you to obey your parents. And that's a different level. You're totally right. And I, you know, just in hearing you talk about that, one big mistake that I made as a mom with my first few kids was that I wasn't very clear with the expectations. Hmm. And when you teach them a scripture, like children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. They know what the expectation is. I'm supposed to obey. So when I don't obey, this is what's going to happen, right? And so if you teach your kids expectations, 
that's the first step. You can't just go around and like be disciplining them. That was your question. How do you balance discipline with love? Mm. Well, it's loving to share with your kids what the house rules are, Mm -hmm. what kind of culture we want to have in our family. Tolpins don't lie. Tolpins don't do things halfway. Tolpins, you know, Mm -hmm. and for you guys, it would be the Mm -hmm. Votebergs don't do this. You know, so as you're creating that family culture, you are laying expectations. And then when those expectations aren't met, you're having the proper discussions versus just going at your kids and not having actually treated them with respect and giving them that initial warning and saying, this is what we expect. But it completely transforms the moment of how you approach it. So Well, I remember listening to one of your earlier podcasts on respect, and you were saying how to teach your children to respect you. One way is to respect them. Yeah. And I thought that was just so good in my mind is when you're showing them, like you said, they just have really clear boundaries, Mm -hmm. and then you're working on the root issue and the heart issue, not just Mm -hmm. reprimanding in the moment. Or, Mm. you know, you're going beyond that. Oh, it's well said because there's a bigger issue at hand. It's not that they didn't clean up their mess. What is the heart issue behind that? What is the bigger picture of disobedience and their relationship with God? Because if they don't learn to obey you, they're going to have a hard time obeying God in their teenage years or the rest of their life. And so we as parents, I don't know about you, I have to have a bigger why to get myself to do the smaller things. (laughs) (laughs) And so if, if I don't see the bigger why of like, okay, in the future, they're They're going to disobey God. And if they disobey God, their life is going to look like a train wreck and they may not go to heaven. That's a big why. So I need to do this very simple thing right in the moments of disobedience. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, another thing we've often said is if you're a parent, you have to be a visionary because that's what we're talking about here. You have to see further down the road to take the right actions when Mm. they're two years old. Mm. Oh, totally. Because I feel like we're in that stage with Leon right now where nothing is a big deal, you could say, as far as he's disobeying in very little ways. But like you said, if I don't have that big picture of teaching him how to respect authority, how to obey, if we aren't, you know, being consistent in those little ways, then those ways get bigger. And I think that's when we see teenagers that are, you know, out of control or not respecting authority is because they didn't learn that in those little steps. Oh, yeah. But yeah. One of the things that I've told moms for many years is that it's a lot easier to have stronger boundaries on kids when they're little and let up on those boundaries as they get older and they prove that they're responsible. But our society does the opposite, which is why so many teenagers rebel, right? They Mm. don't have boundaries when they're little because they aren't parented biblically. Mm. And then all of a sudden they're teenagers and they're a mess. So their parents do what? Nope. Curfew. Here's some rules. And they, they, buckled down on them and, and their independent spirit has literally been cultivated and, and even encouraged all these years. And then all of a sudden, bam, here's something too. my wife, Angie is so good at, and she has to discipline more. And I know that because I'm an entrepreneur and sometimes I'm working from home during the day and just the sheer amount of time she's with them compared to how much time I'm with them is just more in her court. And so she is actually doing it more. And what I notice with her, and I want to encourage everybody, is when the kids do something wrong, she is on it every single time because she gets the bigger picture. Because if you're tired or you're being lazy as a parent or, oh, I, not again, I have to say the same thing again, if you don't do it consistently and on it, then you're actually what you've already done starts to fall apart. 
Yeah. You have to be consistent. She's been so good at that. And I think that's been a big Thanks. reason why they've been obedient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know Katie and I are so motivated. Um, Katie actually was at the, had the privilege of going to a little class that you did or a little workshop that you did mm-hmm. only a few days ago, Angie, at your house talking about training toddlers and Leon now is at two years old. Katie and I have been so convicted because it is that consistency game where we see the fruit of it. I mean, almost instantly, you know, within a day or two or three, mm-hmm. where you're thinking, man, he knows the boundaries like what you talked about. It really isn't fair it to isn't. just be a disciplining parent when they have no idea what the boundaries are. Yeah. No. That's not, that's kind of a tyrant, tyrannical way to run a home. It is. It's harsh. <laughs> and yeah, that's right. And so they're just going to be trying everything and they don't know when you're going to react and when you're not going to react. Well, that's why discipline. they're testing too, right? They look at you like, are you going to, is this okay? That's right. Totally. That's, right. Totally. that's right. That's right. And I love, you know, the ever so popular parenting verse of, of Proverbs 22, 6, that train up a child in the way they should go. Mm-hmm. And when they're old, they will not depart. And so first it implies that you're doing this when they're young, they're a child, so that having that long-term vision of when they are old, they'll not depart from the way. And what is this way that you're bringing them up in, you know, in the way of the Lord and the nurture and the admonition mm-hmm. of the Lord? And I love that it uses the word train because yeah. I was convicted really recently and realizing that I was a reactionary parent, whereas training is very proactive. proactive. Yeah. It's all proactive. You know, when I've trained for different races or when I was training for basketball or if you're on doing on-the-job training, they're there teaching you beforehand. It's preemptive. Say, yeah. hey, this is going to happen. When this scenario comes into place, this is how we react. And that really convicted me because I had really turned into a reactionary parent. Yeah. Where I was only disciplining and not training. Mm-hmm. That's a good word. Really good word. Right there. Proactive parenting is essential. Yeah. It's really. And I was just, th- as you were talking, I was just thinking, well, how many parents forget to talk about sin? Because if they don't understand sin, mm-hmm. there's no need for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if there's no need for Jesus, there's no relationship right. with God. That's and, and so we actually have to talk about these biblical words and sin is a really important one. And if we use those words in the moment of disobedience, then we're helping them understand the problem that we have, mm. the need for a savior, and you can lead them in prayer to mm. get reconciled with God and, and with, with you. you. Mm. And yeah, you might discipline them in some other ways too, but that is the most important. And if you just do the other ways, you're, actually you're missing not, the point. Yeah, you're not actually parenting or disciplining biblically if you're, you're missing that. Wow. Wow. It's so that good. That's really good. I love that. I love the biblical perspective because, again, if we don't have the Bible, if we aren't going back to the Bible, then you have culture, you have, mm-hmm. you know, child psychologists, you have, you know, all these people and just like, yes. who do I listen to? What do I do? There's so many parenting books, so many parenting styles. Mm. And so just going back to the scripture is just so freeing. Mm. Oh, it yeah. really is because you don't have to think about it. You just can obey God. Yeah. Really. But in a sense, and and, and you doing it, you are modeling for your kids what kind of parent they should be. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so when you're talking to your kids, for me, I try to give my kids vision. Mommy has to do this because, right? And what is the because? I need to obey God. Mm -hmm. God's word says that he disciplines those he loves. Mm. I love you. And I don't want this to become a huge sin in your life. It's just like a weed. If you pull them when they're small, it's easier to pull. But if mm-hmm. it just keeps growing and growing and growing, then all of a sudden it's this huge thistle that's hard to pull out of the ground. I don't want that for you. Yep. I was just, as you were doing that, I can imagine people listening going, wow, she told such a good little story right there. And oh, I, just, I, just, I, just, I, just, I just want you to, to be encouraged if you're listening that you don't have to be 
great at this at first. You just have to do it. And the more you do it, pretty soon you have your own little stories and yeah. you're bringing in a piece of scripture because the more you do something, the better you get at it. It's so, true. So nobody should be discouraged because you hear my wife say a nice little story like that. <laughs> I just want to make sure. <laughs> just go out in your garden and start pulling weeds and then you can <laughs> talk to your kids about I, I mean, some, you know, in the moment, right? And you're angry. Uh, how do you think of all that? I can't imagine people thinking of that. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it was good. I just was good. thinking about the listener. That is so good. Okay, so I have another balance question. I think parenting's a lot about balance. So how do you balance friendship on one hand and then being an authority figure in your child's life? And I guess part of that question is, are there different seasons for both of these things? Or are there different aspects of both of these, you know, friendship and being the authority figure mm-hmm. at every stage of raising a child? That's Such the hardest question, question. <laughs> you guys were bringing today, I think. Yeah, That's a good no, one. seriously. We had to think about that one. Yeah. yeah. I think, so the first image that comes to my mind is a tippy scale, you know, like you're weighing sugars yeah. or something. And... I think that that's what it looks like in each season. And so when your kids are younger, I would imagine, well, what has been the truth for us with our kids is that, yes, there's friendship, but definitely the authority figure is a lot heavier on the tippy scale. And as they get older, it kind of starts to shift Hmm. more and more and more. And it's this balancing shift right because Mm -hmm. as they're growing older you're equipping them and they're also this is something that's been really powerful for me going through the teenage years is that I have had to recognize that as a teacher in their life because I've cultivated that kind of student teacher relationship with my kids where they're coming to me and they're asking questions I'm now shifting from teacher to mentor as they get older Hmm. and it becomes more and more and more mentor. Hmm. And that is done by showing them more respect, right? And asking them questions and letting them make more decisions as they get older and then applauding them when they make good decisions and, and always being there when they are making bad decisions and helping them, counseling them. And then you develop the kind of relationship where your kids are in college or whatever, they're older and they're calling you. Because you've developed a good relationship where they know they're not just going to be talked at mm. or lectured at, but yes. they can really bounce those questions off of you, which is what you want, right? Yes. You want yeah. kids to be able to grow up and be strong Christian kids in an uncertain world that are going to be able to stand against the world in a way mm. and their ways because their ways are not biblical. But in order to do that, they have to mm. want to learn from you. Yeah. And if you don't cultivate that when they're young, they're not going to want it when they're older. They're going to look for the coaches, the pastors, uh, the teachers, and want to learn more from them yeah. than their parents. And while all those are additive and good, they should always want to learn the most and have the most respect for mm-hmm. their parents. And right. so the way you cultivate that is at a young age and you keep it going. The other thing I would say about what you said is beautiful. It's right on. Is that a lot of times kids want that mentorship shift earlier than we think they're ready for it. Mm -hmm. And they are probably right. Kids need it earlier than parents usually think they like age are ready for it. And and every kid's different because it's a matter of spiritual maturity, or at least that's what we've noticed. Mm -hmm. And so for some kids, it's age 10, some kids it's age 12, some kids it's age 13, 14. But I, but Isaac is right that definitely it, it always, comes upon me sooner than I'm expecting it. Hmm. And so you have to be in a place where you are constantly a student of your children also, where you're evaluating where are they at, where are they learning, 
what do they need to be stimulated in? What would be interesting to them? And ask that comes from asking good questions mm. as a parent. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we talk at our kids, right? Like when they're little and you're teaching them things and you're training them, yeah. you're almost training yourself constantly <laughs> yeah. to be giving orders yeah. and commands and don't do this and don't do that, right? But you, I think that it's important as parents that we realize that we're actually creating habits ourselves as we do that all day long. Hmm. And that we need to have an expectation of ourselves to shift and start asking them questions. For example, if your kids are arguing and one's rude to the other, to say, hey, how could you have said what you needed to say to him in a more respectful way? What could have you? What could you have said? Hmm. Instead of going, you don't need to talk to your brother that way. Blah, 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 blah. You know, see how different it is? then they're actually taking ownership and they're thinking through it. So they're more likely to actually do it the right way the next time because they've come up with the answer. Interesting. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, I like that. I love how you said you need to be a student of your children too <coughs> mm-hmm. because I feel like, I mean, one thing Elisha and I know is that our parents are both very humble and that humility is plays such a huge role yeah. in you wanting to go and talk to your parents totally as an adult. Or, yes. I mean, we still love going and talking to our parents and listening to them for advice. And we've d- like had that open communication all growing up. Um, so I just love that concept, though, of be a student of your child, like be sensitive to mm-hmm. their needs. What do they need? Mm-hmm. I think that's just expressing so much humility and in wanting to learn mm-hmm. and not being like, no, are you kidding? I have all the answers. My child can't teach me what I need to know. Oh, man, mm. if that was how it was supposed to be, I would. <laughs> th- yeah, that wouldn't have worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think it's easy and I to do because I do yes. feel like I see a lot of parents who do that and they don't keep the relationship with their children because your kid can see a mile away that you don't have everything figured out. Like you well, can't. Yeah, that's a really important thing you bring up is you can't be a hypocrite. And the best way not to be a hypocrite is to be humble, mm-hmm. have humility. Because if you're open with your mistakes, then there's no hypocrite there yeah they can't accuse you but if you're (laughs) if you're like if you have to have all the answers and be perfect and all these things your kids are with you all the time they know yep right they can sniff it out a mile away and so that's super important is we have to Mm -hmm. lead by example but you know what that starts when they're age two yeah a lot of people don't realize that it starts when they're very very young they are way smarter than most parents ever actually actually know yeah yeah yep yeah and i think that you know just the topic of friendship versus authority I know that as a father already, it's easy for me to feel unequipped or ill-equipped or sometimes, you know, not, I guess, qualified to lead my family. Mm -hmm. There's insecurities that creep in. And that's where I think it's – and I think when a lot of fathers feel that way, they resort to just being the buddy. They say, okay, well, we'll be friends. We can joke about the same things, laugh about the same things, and hopefully his youth pastor or his pastor or his Mm. teacher will be a good role model and influence in his life. But I do think that – God has given me the position of authority in my mm-hmm. child's life. And Amen. what God has called me to, he can equip me for as well. Yeah. And I think that I do need to be doing my due diligence and, and going to God's mm-hmm. word mm-hmm. and equipping myself with God's word, yeah. but also realizing this is the position that I'm in, regardless right. of how I feel, whether I feel equipped mm-hmm. or feel like I have the authority. God's given me the authority Amen. by giving me them as a child. And just totally. to add on to that is, hey, guys listening, you have no excuses. It doesn't matter if you had a good dad, bad dad, great example, horrible example. 
we have the example. That's the Bible. It's what God tells us to do. And you're absolutely right. You're the pastor of your own family. We have to step up and reject passivity and lead biblically. And what does that look like? It's very simple. You don't have to get eloquent uh, sermons like you hear at church. Okay. (laughs) So it's literally crack the Bible open and read a proverb. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's initiating. If Mm -hmm. we men just initiate, if we pray with our wives, if we pray with our family, that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's more we can do. Sure. But if you're not doing that, start there. Mm-hmm. Right? I like that. That's so <laughs> That's good. That's so good. I love that practical. Yes. Me too. That's right. And it's so unintimidating. Like what you said, it's easy to feel like you need your degree from seminary. Right. You know, and you need to be a scholar, but you just need to open the Bible, read yeah. a proverb. I love that. Yeah. Another thing that I think has helped me over the years, because when we first had kids, oh, wow, I felt really unqualified. And it would have been easy for me to make excuses and to just go... No, you know, may I'll put them in daycare when they're two or because I don't know what I'm doing or not rise up to the occasion. But really, motherhood, fatherhood, parenthood is actually meant for our good, too, for mm. our sanctification, for mm-hmm. our refinement. God is growing each of us in spiritual maturity as he's raising up our kids, mm-hmm. right? As we're raising up his, our kids for his glory. And so we have to realize that this is like a two way street, Right. Yeah, we want our kids to grow in spiritual maturity, but if we aren't doing that and we aren't proactive with our own spiritual walk with the Lord, mm. then we, we're like the blind leading the blind. Yes. How can we <laughs> expect our kids mm. to be growing in spiritual maturity if they don't have a model of it? That's right. Right? That's right. So we have yep. to be careful not to be hypocrites in our expectations of our kids also. That's right. Yeah, I remember That's the good. example given a long time ago when I was a child, actually, of you don't want to drink from a stagnant well. You know, mm. you've got to yeah. be bringing in fresh yes. water. Yeah. And if our kids are learning from us and garner mm-hmm. or, or, you know, learning, garnering information from us, we need to be having fresh water poured into us. I think through Amen. God's word. That's so good. I love this insight. I love the practicality. I love the inspiration. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, so I'm going to ask, this is kind of like a final question more or less, actually. So what is one thing, you know, Katie and I feel like new parents, even though we've got our third baby on the way pretty soon. Uh, but what's one thing you two wish you would have known uh, that you know now maybe, but you wish you would have known when you mm-hmm. had just one or two children that were very young? Yeah. You know what? I think that Isaac and I, when we first had our first child, everybody will say you make the biggest mistakes with your firstborn, right? <laughs> but in all reality, we didn't know what we were doing when in regards to biblical parenting. Mm-hmm. We just didn't know. And that should give you hope. Because she has turned out great. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, she's, she really is. And, um, I proud mama right here, but for sure there were many mistakes that I made regarding discipline, discipleship, being consistent and me being absent, uh, working really hard. Yeah. We uh, didn't have our priorities quite right Mm -hmm. back then. And I think that for both of us, we had this vision of like working really, really hard when we're young so that we can be around more when our kids are older. Hmm. And that vision distracted us from embracing the season that we were in with our kids when they were really little. Because I mean, just think about it. When a man is younger, a father, he's usually hustling to build the thing, the career, the business, these different things. And it's hard to see that we have an impact on our kids when they're one, two, three, four years old, especially the men. 
And so it can be very easy to go, well, I'm going to dig in more when they remember it. Hmm. But the mistake is, is that even though they won't remember it, they're being formed forever because of it, hmm. whatever it is, whether you're there or not there. And, and you're so really cultivating your relationship that you're going to have with them when they're older, when they're little, right? It's not just quality time. It's also quantity time. Mm-hmm. And so for us, we got really convicted of that once we started really digging into scripture and God just totally transformed us. And, actually, and here's the challenge to, the, to those yeah. guys that are out there. Well, Isaac, how do I do it then? I, I mean, I want to succeed and I want to raise a family. Well, Jim Collins says it great in the book, Good to Great. It's the tyranny of the or and the genius of the and, which is find a way to succeed and be there for your family. Only when both are mandatory to you inside will you figure it out and call upon God to help you figure it out. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that quote inspires me. I can't tell you. I mean, everything you guys just... No, I... I can't tell you the level of conviction and inspiration I just went through because I've had the exact thoughts that you guys just articulated with thinking, okay, I want to hustle now. I need to build whatever it is, my savings account, my business, my future, so that I can enjoy my children in those years where they'll remember it. I've had those exact thoughts Mm -hmm. go through my brain, but I can see already with Leon as a two-year-old boy, he is becoming, he right now is becoming the, the boy and then it's the man, the man. Yeah. that he is going to be, That's the right. habits that yeah. he's forming. Right. And my absence or my presence is going to play a huge role in that. And then on a different note, just that Jim Collins quote is so great because I think that you know becoming a new father, I really felt like I saw two extremes. And I saw a father that really forsook any, um, I guess, success in his career or maybe even in his health or his vision and aspiration hmm. because he felt so compelled to pour into his family. Hmm. And I thought that in the long run, a lot of times the family even suffers from that because you don't want a father that's apathetic in his workplace. You want him to work heartily as unto the mm-hmm. Lord. Mm-hmm. And you don't want him to be, I guess, you know, apathetic in his health or in his marriage even. I've seen a lot yes. of couples, yes. they disproportionately put prioritize the children for the at the expense of their marriage. Mm-hmm. Right. And then on the other extreme, you know, I think that we've seen probably far more a husband forsake the family to yep. go for the worldly accolades. And I was like, man, is it, does it have to be either or? And obviously in the, with your heart submitted to the Lord and you're not seeking worldly, you know, I guess accolades, but I want to thrive yeah. as a professional. I want mm-hmm. to have a romantic marriage. I want to, you know, be healthy and fit. Yeah. And I want to be a, a vibrant, present father. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I just love that you said, hey, figure it out figure out how to do it mm-hmm. and have it's the and not it's the, the or and, yep. and wow. for Isaac I think that part of the way that he was able to find the and was in incorporating the kids in as much as what we were doing hmm. and I know not everybody can do that but what parts of your life can you invite your kids to come and be a part of with you that maybe you just don't bring them to because it's going to take longer I remember when time. Austin was like 8 years old he had a little top hat and a suit and I was running a conference yes. with a thousand people and he, he was, was greeting greeter. people. And then I had to have <laughs> yeah. a meeting where I had to, 
have a tough conversation about letting somebody go on the side of that conference and he was sitting there and listening listening in and and I just think that those were transformative experiences for him and nobody else cared that I had my kid there well I mean he used to go to the office with you even when he was three he had a little suit and he'd dress up and go to work with dad (laughs) when he was three years old and you know Kelsey would have ballet and he'd just be there for a couple hours but he's like I'm going to work with dad yeah and it, it just it it actually helped him to feel respected and mm-hmm. loved and cherished as like, this is what I'm going to be growing up to do. Like mm-hmm. not, ne- not necessarily that profession, but like I'm a man, you know? Mm-hmm. And isn't that what we want? We want our boys to own the way God has made them and what mm-hmm. they're going to do. Mm-hmm. We want them to see what our husbands are doing, how they're providing. Mm-hmm. And the same thing goes for our girls. Mm-hmm. And that gives them vision, mm-hmm. gives them something exciting mm-hmm. to be and do when they grow up. Hmm. That's so good. And I love too. I mean, just for the listeners that don't get to see the Tolpins on a weekly basis, I get to see their son that they were just talking about Austin and he still works with his parents, loves doing work with you guys for you guys. Um, he's also very entrepreneurial on his own. And every time I ask him about how it's going, you know, whether it's a project he's working on with Mm -hmm. you guys, it's such a genuine excitement that he has. There is no, I feel like obligation Mm -hmm. that he's taking action from. He loves being a team with you guys. And to me, that's, you know, that's inspirational to me having a son that I would someday, Lord willing, be able to work with on different projects. And, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's pretty cool. You know, he's now Mm -hmm. 17 years old, I think. Actually, he's 15. 15. 15. Wow. (laughs) Angie said that the other day and I like could not believe it. Wow. I thought he was 15. Like when we first met him. That's remarkable, man. Even more of a testimony. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty great. That's so crazy. Oh, okay. So one thing I want to hear, because people might, not might, I'm sure people want to know more about Courageous Parenting. Can you guys tell us a little bit about like what inspired you to start the Courageous Parenting Mentorship Program and what that is if people want to go get more discipleship from people who are further down the road and have raised adults. Sure. Well, you know, for years I've been doing ministry with Courageous Mom. And to be honest with you, it just didn't fully feel like we were tapping into the ministry that God had called us to do together as a married couple. Hmm. And oftentimes I would come to Isaac with questions that I was getting and he would help me. Like women asking, how can I encourage my husband to be the spiritual leader in our home? And so then I would interview him. How have I encouraged you? You know, <laughs> and like, what, what can tell I tell me. these women? Like, it's good for our marriage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's been really good for us. But honestly, a lot of the questions and the reality of what we see out there is parents not knowing what to do. It's really that simple. Like they, yeah. they literally are like, tell me how to parent. What do I do in this situation, in this situation? And we honestly, we just are at a loss where we're like, man, how come people are not equipping parents to raise strong Christian kids? And we're looking at future generations. I mean, Isaac and I are both pretty visionary, you know, but we look at the future generation and we go, what is it going to be like when we're 70? (laughs) Right. What is it going to be like when we have great grandkids? Are they going to find anybody? Exactly. (laughs) We're like, who's going to, you know, and and we don't say that from like an arrogant place, but a a realistic place. Just realistic of really wanting parents to get the help that they were asking for. And to be honest with you, there's a lot of help out there for moms, but there's just not a lot out there where there's a husband and a wife talking candidly about the issues of today that are relevant from a perspective of parenting together. 
And so we put together the last 18 years, the biblical parenting we've done, the books we've read, the mentors we've had, pastors we've known, Mm -hmm. we put together a six-week self-paced program. Uh, It's about 10 hours of curriculum, Mm -hmm. but it's mobile-friendly, goes right to your device, three live engagements with us, text messaging weekly, private Facebook community, an incredible group of people that have gone through the program that you can glean wisdom from too. And so that's what it is. And we laid out the biblical parenting program that we have seen so much good fruit from Mm -hmm. in our own kids and experiences. It's been really exciting to be able to just talk to people about issues like the heart. There's a whole teaching Mm -hmm. just on the heart of parenting, right? And obedience, the 10 steps to biblical discipline. We have a whole session on purity, which is not just sexual purity. The toughest conversations you need to have, and most people don't. Right, yeah. Yeah, we have a whole video that's just teaching on how to talk about rape, suicide, all kinds of issues that parents need to talk to their kids about today, pornography. And educating and equipping parents with the real statistics of what is going on so that we're aware, we have open eyes, and we're realistic about can, the world that our kids if are If you can think about into. the challenges, we're talking about it. And we're giving the practical wisdom yeah. on how to do it From at all age groups. And so mm-hmm. it's relevant no matter how old your kids are. If you have teenagers, it's not too late. You got two-year-olds, perfect mm-hmm. timing. You got <laughs> six-year-olds, perfect. Yep. Wow. I'm so grateful that we have this resource. <laughs> I know, seriously. Man, it's just, because Katie, like I said, we're just getting started. And to have the hope and the encouragement and the support of what you guys are, of you guys as people, but then also these these uh, resources that you've put together. I'm awesome. Thank you guys. Yeah. We're really excited about this. And we'll link all those things in the show notes. Yes. Uh, the CourageousParenting.com and then the different places they can find um, you guys online, which will be really exciting. All right. Any parting words? Anything? <laughs> anything Last that we? Words? Yeah. Well, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. It's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I love what you guys are doing. Wow. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Oh man, thank you so much. Well, to all of you guys who have given us ratings and reviews, that means so much to us. Every time we read your words of encouragement, that's so inspiring, and it helps us get awesome guests like Angie and Isaac on the show. Which, I mean, they're friends, so I think they would have done it anyways because <laughs> they're cool like that. <laughs> but we do want to be able to give you guys resources that we, you know, that are outside of what Elisha and I are good at because parenting's so new to us. Anyways, but if you wouldn't mind hitting the five star, I mean, that's the best one. But you yep, can give us a rating. my favorite. Um, or a review. That would just be awesome. And that means so much to us. Right on. Angie Isaac, seriously, thank you guys so much for being on this, being on our podcast. It was great to be here. It was fun. Yeah. Thanks for having us. All right. Bye-bye.